Hello, and welcome to... Poppy Approved Movies. My name is Poppy. And I'm Natalie. In our podcast, we will review and critique my favorite PG-13 movies. Movies that I wasn't allowed to watch until I turned 13. Every Sunday, Natalie and I will watch a new PG-13 movie. And I'll see if Poppy's movies live up to the hype. Which, of course, they will. Today, we're going to be watching Edward Scissorhands. Before we begin, there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie and don't want it to be spoiled, press pause and come back when you're finished. Now, Poppy, tell me the deets on this movie. Okay. Edward Scissorhands came out in 1990 with a runtime of 1 hour and 45 minutes. It was directed by Tim Burton and written by Tim Burton and Caroline Thompson. Tim Burton is a famous movie maker and has made tons of great movies like Beetlejuice, 1989 Batman, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and A Nightmare Before Christmas. The Nightmare Before Christmas, but I didn't know about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Which which one? The, the... the creepy remake with Johnny Depp, who happens to be in this movie. Oh. Okay. Yeah. The main stars in the movie are Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder, and Diane Wyest. Some fun facts real quick. The movie was inspired by a drawing Tim Burton made when he was a teenager. So you never know, Nat, your whole sketchbook could be ideas for future blockbuster movies. <laughs> The movie is the first time Johnny Depp and Tim Burton worked together, and they go on, they would go on to make seven more movies together. Guess they really liked working with each other. Yeah, this is the first one. They became really close friends. So what do you think, Nat? Well, I give it a four stars. Four stars? Not bad. Okay. I was worried you weren't going to like it very much because of the kind of the dark tone of it. I liked it, but it was kind of like sad and... It was kind of confusing movie. Also, just the way that it was made. You, like you said, it was kind of creepy, but also all the sets, they were just like plain colors or like completely empty. They had a scene where there was like a bank and it was just a single table and like a vault in the background. So it was very like simple. I wasn't really used to it. I think that's why. Yeah, Tim Burton's very stylistic. I think most of his movies have darkness and the bright colors of like of other areas to kind of like contrast it so yeah it's very like a- aesthetics of the movie are yeah. quite different than what i'm used to i think that's why mm-hmm. i was i didn't like it as much as some of the other movies actually even his music style so i think danny elfman was one of the 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 music uh writers and creators for it um you can hear his music style you hear it Similar to Nightmare Before Christmas and some of his other movies. Yeah, the first song, it was like, it sounds like, it kind of sounds like something that would be a Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, definitely. Why don't we get into the recap? Sounds good. The movie starts with a grandma telling a bedtime story to a little girl. It's about an inventor who lives in a mansion on the hill above their house. He is creating a man, but dies before he finishes, and leaves his creation with scissors for hands. In the next scene, we find ourselves in a colorful suburban neighborhood. We meet Peg, an Avon salesperson, going door to door. It is not going well, so she decides to visit the mansion on the hill to try to sell her Avon products there. She has some sort of death wish going up that hill. I wouldn't go in up that hill in a million years unless I wanted to be shanked. You know, nobody was buying anything from her, so I think maybe she was desperate. What do you think? That's true, but she's like a part of a whole company, so they're probably doing fine. 
Yeah, but I think she makes money depending on how many she sells. Oh. So I think she's on commission. So the more she sells, the more money she makes. So. But you're right. I wouldn't necessarily go up to the spooky top of the hill house that is darker than anything ever in the whole neighborhood. The mansion that overlooks the neighborhood is dark and spooky on the outside, but has beautiful landscape hedges within its gates. Peg walks into the dark mansion, which is full of machinery. She meets Edward, who is dressed in all black leather, has scissors for hands, and scars all over his face. I did think of something. Was that he, like, eats like a human, right? How has he been getting food all these years up trapped in this castle? It's not like he just walks down to the grocery mart. Do we see him eating throughout the movie? Yeah, throughout the movie he eats the steak and he drinks the drinks. Oh, and there's that scene where he ate that everybody was feeding him, which we'll get to later. Yeah, he was eating a bunch of... So I, I that one's a little confusing because he's so isolated in this castle. How would he have gotten food? He'd eventually run out unless Ma- he had some sort of garden. Maybe he eats food, but he doesn't need to. Oh. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That, the one thing that is she just walked into the mansion. She knocked on the door and then no one opened it. And she's like, I'm going to walk in. Yeah, why would you do that? Yeah. That's so dumb. That's like if you go trick or treat and no one responds and then you're like, well, I guess I'm going in. I know. It made me laugh. Reminded me of uh, uh, Goldilocks in The Three Bears. She's like, I'm just going in. I don't care. Uh, When Peg sees Edward for the first time, she's taken aback but realizes he is a kind soul and she decides to take him home with her. That's also kind of weird, right? You don't just take a stranger home. I guess everyone now just has trust issues. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe in, was it 1990, I said? Yeah. Maybe in 1990, everybody just trusted each other. Who knows? As Peg is driving Edward home, many neighbors see him, and the gossip begins. At home, Edward sees a picture of Peg's family, and Kim, Peg's daughter, catches his eye. I, this picture is like, I, I thought it was a bad picture, because she's not even looking in the camera. Oh, really? Yeah. She's like notice. looking away. I feel like that's a lot of school pictures, though. Like, why don't they ever have him look into the camera? I don't know. I don't, although he was like, hey, who's this? She's pretty. <laughs> Peg then gives him clothes to wear and tries to conceal Edward's scars with makeup, but isn't very successful. Meanwhile, all the gossip mongers, that's what I'm going to call them from now on, all the ladies in the neighborhood are gossiping throughout the whole movie, so I'm just going to call them gossip mongers, headed by Joyce, start calling Peg, filling up her answering machine. Do you know what an answering machine is? No. Back in the day, we didn't have voicemail or cell phones. We had answering machines. So if someone called your house and no one picked it up, then it would just dial for it. would ring forever. Oh. Then we bought this machine called an answering machine, and it would record people's messages. So it'd be like, leave a message after the beep. But wasn't that just basically voicemail? Yeah, it's voicemail, but it actually isn't electronic. It was on tape. Oh. And so her tape got full with all the neighbors and gossip mongers calling and saying, who's this guy that you took home? With weird scissors for hands. That night, we meet Bill, Peg's husband, and Kevin, Peg's son. Kim is on a camping trip with her friends, so we don't get to see her yet. Mm-hmm. Kevin asks if he can take Edward to show and tell, which later he does. You know, later in the movie, we actually see that uh, Edward is Kevin's show and tell. Yeah, but but you could tell Edward wanted to be there because he was, like, doing the crafts. He was, like, showing them how to do it. So I think he wanted to be there. Yeah, and the kids kind of freaked out at first when they saw his scissor hands, kind of, like, peg a little bit. And then he started doing, like, a paper paper people, right? I think it was the little houses. Oh, he started making little houses. Yeah, that's kind of cute. 
Uh, well, that night, Edward goes to sleep in Kim's room on the waterbed. So that's, do you, do you know what a waterbed is? Have you ever heard of that? No. So it's like, back in the day, I don't know why. Back in my day. Back in my time. They had beds that were like gigantic water balloons. Very thick. So you won't pop it easily. And you just sleep on water and it's supposed to feel really good. Wouldn't it be uncomfortable because it's not, like, you're not supported? I have have never slept on a waterbed, but I have laid on a waterbed, like someone's house or something. I don't remember if it was comfy or not. It was (laughs) pretty cool. (laughs) Actually, there's a waterbed scene in a scary movie, Nightmare Before Elm Street, which I think Johnny Depp was in as well. But that that was a scary scene. We're not going to talk about that. But the funny thing is that Edward, with scissors, forehands, it's probably not a good idea to go sweep on a waterbed. He also, when he like first gets in it, he pops like a <laughs> little tiny hole and yeah. he puts this like pinata plushie on top and it stops the water. It's it magic. was so dumb. And then it like, it didn't, I figured that it would like leak after like a, a few scenes. Like you would see the water gush out after but like. But he the, sleeps on that bed for like two, three days. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how, did, how did that little plush, plushie. Take all the water. Maybe is the waterbeds had different physics back in the nineties. I don't know. <laughs> the next morning, we find out Edward is a master hedge sculptor and makes a T Rex out of Bill and Peg's hedges. Yay, dinosaur! I know, it's cool. And then he he made like a family as well afterwards. My favorite was the dinosaur owl movie. Oh yeah, that was really cute. Then six gossip mongers come to the door, wanting the scoop on Edward, and they invite themselves over for a barbecue at Peg's house. So they were like, hey, you're going to have a barbecue. And Peg's like, no. And they're like, yes, you are. We'll bring you all this food. So, I feel that was kind of messed up with of them. Because Peg, it's not like she was like, oh, okay. She was like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, no, you are. Yeah, those ladies are mean. We also meet Esmeralda, a neighbor who says that Edward is a perversion of nature and is from hell. So out of all these people, they're just kind of interested in Edward. But does Esmeralda actually know the inventor or know what Edward was? I don't know. She's, I thought she was going to be like a much bigger plot point. But she was in like four scenes and she wasn't really a part of anything. She was just kind of there. I don't really understand the point of her character. Yeah, I don't either. Like she, so, okay, so I imagine that the perversion of nature is the fact that he's not a human, that he was created by uh, a human. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, being from hell doesn't have anything to do with it. She's obviously a little cuckoo, but I think she knew something that no one else knew. And I wonder how she knew that. I also thought it was really funny how Peg walked by her house while she was selling things. And she's like, ugh, as she saw Esmeralda playing the organ. And then she goes up the creepy hill. Like, she'd rather go up to the creepy hill and take a guy with scissors for hands to come live with him than try to sell products to her. Yeah. Well, we find out that that guy is 100 times better than she is, so. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I guess she has a good judge of character or something. Edward is very shy and nervous about the barbecue, and we see the first of three flashbacks of his inventor, played by Vincent Price. We see a scene where there are robots cooking in the mansion, and we see one with scissors for hands. I think we can assume that that was Edward, right? He was chopping lettuce. 
He's driving Linus, yeah. Later we see another scene where Edward is more human-like and the adventurer is reading to him about etiquette and fairy tales. He, he, there's like a part where he was like, no, I'm going to read poetry. And Edward is just like, what is he saying? And that's how I, that's my response to poetry. So like um, when your teacher says, hey, we're going to read poetry. And you're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's exactly it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes sense. At the barbecue, the ladies are fascinated with Edward and even feed him. The men all make a joke at Edward's expense. Kim comes home that night and sees Edward sleeping in her bed, and they both freak out. He pops the waterbed. So this time he pops the waterbed like with eight holes, so I don't think it's going to work. No, no plushie to save it. Well, you don't know. So hold on. So they both calm down, and Edward goes and sleeps into the basement. Where, where did Kim sleep? In her room. In her room on a... No, no, no. They actually show there's like a room... With her little brother, and there's like a second bed in there, and she's like oh, setting okay. up there. Because I was about to say, did they fix? They put more plushies and fix the water bed so she can sit on that. Yeah, that's true. I would have reacted exactly the same as Kim, if not like more freaked out. That's so terrifying, especially since you never talked to him. You don't know how he's like actually a nice person. Oh sure, that. yeah. So I would have totally freaked out. It's a murder. It's a psychopath. And it's going to kill me. The other kind of thing, and this is Edward being just kind of awkward and not understanding social norms. Mm -hmm. She walks into the room and he sees her and he doesn't say anything. She starts to take off her shirt so she has like an undershirt on and Mm -hmm. he still doesn't say anything. So, I mean, it could appear to be creepy. I think he was just scared and didn't know what to do. but, But I can see why she would be so scared, yeah. The whole neighborhood is in love with Edward when he starts doing artistic favors for them. He begins with trimming their hedges into beautiful shapes. Then he starts grooming their pets. Everyone, literally every single woman in the neighborhood has a dog. Yeah. That's so ridiculous to me. I don't know. A lot of people do have dogs. They do have dogs. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we should, we should get on that. So after he's done cutting all their dogs. Yeah. Yeah, we should get on that. Sure, Natalie. So Natalie's been trying to get a dog for how old are you? 13? 13 years? Since birth, or third word with puppy or something. I don't know. I came out the womb one. <laughs> yeah, she came out with a picture of a, a Pomeranian. It's like, come on, Dad, let's get this one. I'm like, really? That's your first sentence? Anyway, so we never got a dog. and um, I'm salty. And she's salty about it. Yeah. Anyway, so this neighborhood is full of dogs. You should move into that neighborhood, and then you can have your own dog. After they're grooming their pets, then he starts giving every one of the ladies in the neighborhood haircuts. Joyce's haircut was highly, highly inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Joyce is just kind of crazy. Meanwhile, Kim and her boyfriend, Jim, do not warm up to Edward. Kim and, and Jim. Say right. I know. I didn't notice that at first until I started writing it down. Um, they are making fun of him and calling him names. But they do seem to be interested in him when they learn that he can pick locks with his scissors. Edward is falling in love with Kim. It was made more obvious later during a TV interview when he was asked if there was someone special out there for him. And Edward didn't say anything, but he started looking into the TV kind of like as if he were thinking of Kim. And Kim kind of figured that out as well. Kind of hesitating. All right. The salon scene is next. Joyce is thinking of opening a salon with Edward as her hairstylist. She then shows him to the back room and begins to seduce him, taking off her clothes. I also think it was really... Really sweet, because Edward was like, oh, this is where, what? what's the mom's name? Peg. 
this is where this section Peg can put her product. So he was like kind of thinking of mm-hmm. her, like, oh, I could help her out too. That kind of. I thought that was nice. Yeah, I think he loves Peg. You know, I think he's motherly figure. So much so, and she's always been so kind to him. So I think he always kind of will love her. Anyway, so she starts to seduce him, taking off his clothes and getting on top of him. Edward is clearly uncomfortable and runs away the first chance he gets. She's very angry at the rejection, and later in the movie, she tells people that Edward was the one trying to force himself on her. How would she even do that? He has, like, barely any social cues or anything. You would have think that the rest of the woman would have been like, that. this doesn't make any sense. Well, those ladies will believe whatever Joyce says, though. That's true. Yeah. Jim convinces Kim to get Edward to bring into Jim's dad's special room, which is filled with state-of-the-art electronics like a VHS. You know what a VHS is? Is it like a tape thing? It's a tape. Yeah, it's a tape player. That's before DVDs, before Blu-rays, and before streaming. We had something called VHS where we can put movies in and watch it. Ah. Grandma has one in her room. She had one in her room. It was a VHS-DVD combo. (laughs) I have one in my classroom as well, so it's kind of funny. All you old people inventions. I know. That was state-of-the-art in 1990. Like, this guy, this guy was living rich. <laughs> Kim and Jim lie to Edward to get him to do it. When things go sideways, everyone, including Kim, abandoned Edward, and he gets arrested and almost gets shot in the process. I'm a little annoyed with Kim here, because you could tell she was like, this is wrong. But she, like, she only tried to do things after it was, like, already done. Like, where was all that confidence when you were trying to break in to a house? Yeah, I agree. I feel like she was trying to be the good character after she was already the bad character. Like, she wasn't... I don't think she had a redemption. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think she was like, I'm bad, let me be good. It was more like, I'm bad, maybe I shouldn't be as bad. I don't know. It's more like a realization. Yeah, that she did something wrong, but she didn't want to make better of herself. Yeah. Yeah, I got a lot to say about Kim a little bit later on, for sure. Um, So he almost gets shot because the cops tell him to put down his weapons, but unfortunately he can't do that since his hands are... You know, they can be considered weapons. Yeah. Um, but he is saved last second. At the precinct, Edward does not rat them out. So he doesn't tell on anyone about uh, who else was involved in the crime. I would have, if, the whole point is that he doesn't want to get Kim in trouble. But you don't have to mention that Kim was a part of it. You could have just been like, yeah, Jim forced me to break into his house. And then just been like, oh yeah, Kim was sleeping. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't seem like a kind of person that would lie, though. That's true. Although he, when when asked, he didn't lie. He just said nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's released and he goes home. Kim thanks him for not snitching. He tells her that he knew what he was doing was wrong, but he did it anyway because she asked him to. Also in this scene, I noticed that she never apologizes. She thanks him for not writing him out, but she never apologizes for putting him in that position. And does she ever say anything later? Like he wasn't actually the one who broke in? I don't think so. None of them did. It, she didn't think for a second to, like, still put herself in a position that it would... You know, get him not to be in trouble kind of thing. Yeah. Or to, like, you know, to come up, like, fess up, to tell she the truth. She was kind of just, like, worried about herself. She's like, oh, thank you for not writing me out. But, like, when I fall in love with you later, I'm not going to do anything. I don't care enough. Yeah, yeah. Edward and the family decorate for their annual Christmas party. Well, the gossip mongers get together and decide not to go and say horrible things about Edward. So now that he got arrested, everybody hates Edward. So the big turn of events, they all loved him when he was doing them favors. 
And then all of a sudden, because he got in trouble for for kind of being pushed into making a crime, now everybody hates him and they really want to go after him. Then we see the iconic scene where Edward is making this angel, the snow, it's not, the, it's not a snow angel, it's an angel eye sculpture. Mm-hmm. And then the little particles are flying in the air and Kim dances in the snow, in quotation marks. It was funny because she just walks out and she's like, wee, wee. <laughs> yeah, that's like a scene I think everybody remembers from this movie. It's one of those famous scenes. Edward accidentally cuts Kim as he's coming down the ladder. And Jim shows up, attacks him, and forces him to run away. Um, Kim yells at Jim at this point and tells him to leave as well. So Edward's on the run. He's angry and he starts cutting off his clothes, all the clothes that uh, Peg gave him. And he begins cutting and destroying his hedge sculptures, like cutting a leg off of people and things like that, and slashing tires in the neighborhood. The police are called and Bill and Peg go out looking for him. Edward goes back to Kim to apologize and ask if she is okay, and she says she is. Then Kim asks him to hold her, and he says he can't. She hugs him, and we see a final flashback of the inventor. The inventor is holding Edward's finished hands and is about to attach them when he has a heart attack and dies. The hands fall on the floor and break. Jim and their friends get drunk and almost run over Kevin in their van. Edward saves him, but accidentally cuts Kevin. Jim attacks Edward, and Jim gets hurt. At this point, the whole neighborhood shows up, and they all want to attack and hurt Edward. This scene was kind of, like, tough because he's, like, he's trying to hold him down so that he, like, calms down. But he can't really hold him down. If I was in that case, he's already away from the danger. Why didn't he just, like, stand up? Because Kevin's only getting more overwhelmed and scared. I think Kevin was freaking out, and then Edward started freaking out, and I think they both kind of... Because he kind of started moving and Edward was trying to like, you know, I don't know. It was just hard for him to react. I, I just don't think he was, he was just trying to help. And Kevin was, you know, having a hard time. And so, and it was tough. Kim tells Edward to run before the angry mob attack him. And he runs to the, mas- the mansion and the angry mob chases him. At the mansion, Kim finds Edward first and they talk. Jim shows up, shoots at Edward, right? Like, where did he get a gun? What's going on here? In Probably f- in that basement. He just robbed. <laughs> Maybe. A fight ensues and Kim intervenes and Jim slaps and kicks her. Edward fights back and kills Jim. Kim says goodbye, kisses Edward, and tells him she loves him. It's so funny because she's like, I love you. And they're like glossing over the fact where she she had threatened to kill um what's his name jim she's like i'm gonna kill you and then like and then edward actually killed them and then they're just like love you yeah like, we just murdered someone together but that's okay yeah it's true huh she picks up some scissors on the way out of the mansion and tells the mob at the doorstep that jim and edward killed each other and shows the scissors as proof that edward is dead and the mob leaves in the last scene we see the grandma again who we know now is kim and she tells the little girl that edward was never seen again voice i thought was like kind of fake sounding yeah i mean i think she was acting like a you know if she were an old lady she's talking like an old lady you know like that the little girl asks how she knows if he's still alive and kim says it still snows every year referring to the ice sculpture scene the end i really enjoyed this movie it's your cousin ashley's favorite movie and she's like oh you guys should watch that movie and i'm like yes i do love it so we did watch it right Edward is a sweet character who falls in love, but Peg was my favorite character overall. She was a loving person who gave Edward what he needed most, love and acceptance. She was definitely best girl in this movie. Oh, definitely. It ended sadly, but I'm happy he didn't end up with Kim. 
to me, that would have been the sad story because I yeah. think Kim was, I don't think she was a very good character. I didn't like her character very much. She seemed kind of like, it was about, it was about him until it was about her. And then if it like affected her, she would be for herself. Yeah, I agree. I, I wasn't a big fan of her character. I just thought she was uh, very selfish and didn't really care about Edward, you know? Yeah. Like, she fell in love with him conveniently. I think that was just kind of a, the part of the story, but it didn't really make sense to me. Yeah. And then, you know, and then she never went back. So she she knows that he's there. She was maybe 18, 19, 17, 18. She has her whole life to go Right, up she's there. a grandma now. Still lives in the same neighborhood because you can see the mansion from their house. Yeah. You're talking about 60, 70 years she couldn't have gone and go check on him? Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, completely, totally forgot all about him or even got him some help or you know able to see if he can they can fix his hands nothing so yeah i didn't end up liking her did you know character on an aside did you know that johnny depp so edward and winona Ryder, which is kim they were dating throughout the movie they were actually dating in real life a showman yeah i guess <laughs> yeah like a showman's like big brother but they were i i'm not sure if they started dating before the movie or during the movie and then johnny depp and Tim Burton became best friends, or they're really, really close friends during this movie. So I guess it was a good movie to make friends and, and boyfriend girlfriends. <laughs> um, what do you think of Joyce? Joyce, I do not like her character. I think she was kind of meant to be maybe com- comical. I'm like not really over the sure. top? Yeah, like she was over the top comedically, I think. But okay. I think she was just, like, not not a good character. I didn't think... She didn't really progress the story with any of her over-the-top or overly inappropriate things. It didn't really help much except, except for make the characters in the movie uncomfortable. Yeah. And she was over-sexualized big time. Yeah. Big time. Everything was about um, uh, sex with her. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, you see her trying to be with a repairman Mm -hmm. and then she kind of goes and tries to fall in love with edward and then she pushes towards it and then i i I, and also she has a husband in the movie i think i never saw the husband i don't they always show the the they don't really show the husband except for like peg's husband right but they always show they showed them like coming home in their cars and stuff, and I think they showed like a car going into Peg's house. I thought no, uh, Joyce's house. Oh, Joyce's house. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? I wouldn't doubt it. I, I, you know, maybe she does have a husband. I don't know, but they don't. They don't. All the ladies, other than Peg and Bill, are a couple, but everybody has. All the women are together. All the men are together. Yeah. And we don't know who's with who or what. Yeah. Do you know who Vincent Price is, the inventor? No. He's like a major movie star for horror movies. He's like one of the most famous horror movie actors of all time. I was going to say he looked kind of old as the inventor. He is. He is. And he's passed away since. But uh, do you remember Thriller? You know that song Thriller? Thriller. Michael Jackson. You know that the talking at the end where they're the the creepy man and then he laughs really hard at the end? (laughs) Yeah. That's Vincent Price. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of funny that he's there at the end. And then there's one more question I want to ask you before we have a couple. Actually, there's a few more questions I want to ask you. Um, I read something about how Edward and the movie itself is an allegory towards autism spectrum disorder. And they were kind of saying, like, it's more like, you know, the the scissor hands are the fantasy part, right? The 
him being a creation, but a lot of people are saying that it's kind of like a, a symbolism for autism and spectrum disorder. Uh, did you ever think of that or, or see that while you were watching the movie? I didn't get that at all. You didn't get that at all? I did a little bit. So when I watched the movie later on in life, I had seen it again, and then I read that. And then as I watched it again, it kind of did make sense, just him having a hard time with social situations. I thought it was pretty interesting. I don't know if the director, uh, Tim Burton, did that on purpose or just, you know, him being different with his scissor hands to to try to belong and be accepted and the tolerance that people have towards him or the yeah. intolerance he sees. Um, but it was, it was fascinating to me watching it that way. Yeah, I, I didn't really get that very much, but I think I kind of understand it by the way that you said how like people were kind of got a little exasperated with him at some points and stuff but then he was also very well loved by his family or i guess like peg they're basically family yeah definitely peg is like his mom for sure all right could this movie still be made today well i feel like there was a lot of scenes and i think it's just the way that this story was set First of all, like all of the women were obviously stay stay at home women. A lot of them had children, and it was really sad because it was almost like they were blocked off from life. They had there's a scene where they were like all on the corner when Edward had come back, and then there's like a bunch of cars coming in to right. show that they're like all the husbands are coming home, and they all start running back to cook dinner. And I thought that scene was just really sad. It's like they're living in some sort of dystopian rinse repeat society yeah it was kind of sad the only woman that had a job was peg yeah yeah she's the only one because she was a saleswoman for uh and it was make it was avon was like hair and makeup so that's like the most stereotypical thing that it could have been for a woman's job that's true that's true she wasn't like a like a lawyer or a doctor or like a ceo that there's also a scene with Joyce, of course, it's Joyce. They all have their dogs, I mentioned, but Joyce has like a little dog named Kisses. And it was like there was a scene where he was barking a lot. And she's like, be quiet. And then he was like, keep barking because it's a dog. It's a dog's bark. And then she kicks the dog. Oh, is that right? I don't yeah. remember that scene. Yeah, I mean. he was being too loud, but you don't just kick a dog. I think if you want to make someone a villain, the first thing you do is have them kick a dog. Yeah, that's true. Because then everybody's like, oh, I hate her. Like, universally hated. I also noticed a small thing was just not like that it wouldn't be made or put in the movie, but I doubt that it would be like as prevalent. But a lot of people were always smoking cigarettes. That was just like a thing. I don't, in our society now, kind of very frowned upon like smoking and all of that because it's obviously very bad for you but there everyone just uh, there was a bunch of like cigarettes Joyce was smoking the dad like a bunch of different people were always like smoking and didn't seem like any out of the different it's not like in our movies nowadays if someone's smoking they could be like the gangster or something sure, they, it was just normal yeah it was like anybody was smoking it wasn't it wasn't like a, a plot device to make an evil person or yeah I see what yeah. you mean also, just Jim, the boyfriend in general, he yeah. was very toxic. He didn't listen to her. He was always yelling at her, kind of threatening her. Like, this is your last warning or whatever he was doing. He was just, like, treating her very badly. You mean uh, treating Kim very badly? Yeah. Well, Kim. everybody, actually, right? Yeah, he was just he was just a not very good 
character. He was just kind of controlling of everyone and trying to be the boss and the center. You know, like in most movies you see, you'll have one hero or the protagonist and you have one antagonist. In this movie, I would say there was two antagonists, right? You would say that Joyce is obviously the leader of this gossip monger gang of horrible people just spitting vile towards others. Mm-hmm. And then there's Jim, who's the obvious villain who wants to hurt Edward and, and is, like you said, very toxic toxic towards his relationship with Kim. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anything else? I also had some parts that were just, like, outdated in general. Not from, like, it would be thing. But like what? Like, first of all, the waterbed. The waterbed, okay, sure. In the hairdresser scene, Joyce had a radio. And it was funny because Mom said she actually had the exact same radio that she was playing. You just aged to Mom. What are you doing? Don't do that. Mom will get upset. <laughs> you just called your mama old. And... And also how the most of the women had, like, short hair. I noticed that was, like, a, the main style of the time. Mm-hmm. That just every all women had short hair. And you can see now everyone has different hair and different style and all that. Sure. But there was, like, a specific style each, like, gender stuck to. Mm-hmm. And then the answering machine, the VHS. Yeah. Yeah, things like that. And the smoking. Yeah, all those definitely. One question. Does it pass the Bechdel test? It does pass the Bechdel test. Do you think so? I think so. All right. So let's let's talk about the first part. The first part of the Bechdel test is, are there two named women? There's Joyce, there's Peg, and there's Kim. So that we got that. The second part is, do they ever talk to each other? Yes. Peg obviously talks to his daughter. Peg also talks to Joyce. Okay. The third part is, do they talk to each other about anything other than a man? Yes, in the very beginning, Peg talks to Joyce trying to sell her products. Oh, yeah. See, I don't remember that part. I do remember it now that you mentioned it. But after that, all the gossip mongers would talk about was Edward. Yeah. In the rest of the movie, I didn't think they talked about anything but some sort of man. But that scene was... And it's like, it passes, but it's kind of sad how it passes because the one thing they were talking about is known as the women's superficial makeup, hair, all that. All those products, yeah. So it passes just barely. Yeah, it passes, but it's like, wow, there's not, it's not very good still. But, you know, even as we read or as we see movies passing or not passing the Vectal test, it's not very hard. It shouldn't be very hard to pass. Yeah, the Bechtel test isn't even that bad. Like, a scene of people, two people, women talking makes, like, passes a test. That's just sad. <laughs> and they fail that test over and over and over again. We've seen, uh, this is our fifth movie? Um, yeah. And I think three of them have failed? No, two of them have failed. So, you know what I'm saying? Or three. Yeah. Because even... The majority of them have not passed. I know. And that goes to show two things. Either tons of Hollywood movies aren't passing or maybe your poppy's picks aren't very, very female friendly. I don't know. I'll have to see. I have to look back at all the movies that I love and start to see a pattern and maybe some of the, some of the problems of the shows that I like to watch. So. Anything else you want to share about the movie? No. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to Poppy Approved Movies. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. We usually put out an episode every week. If you want to suggest a movie for us to watch and critique, email us at poppyapprovedmovies at gmail.com. That's poppyapprovedmovies at gmail.com.
No spaces, no caps. We'll try our best to get to your suggestion. And remember, it has to be PG-13. Next time, we're watching A Knight's Tale, so I hope you join us. I'm Poppy. And I'm Natalie. See you next time. Bye.